Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Well, folks, today I have here with me Camille Martinez, who is going to be sharing with us about her journey healing from childhood trauma and how sharing her story has led to even more healing. Uh, Camille is born and raised in California. She's a wife, a mother of five little bitties. Oh my goodness. She's a reader of true stories and yes, a sexual abuse and sexual assault survivor who first suffered from abuse at the age of six that continued until she was 16. Camille went public with her story nearly three years ago. And in that journey, she's been finding her voice and coming into this space of being an advocate and an ally and being seen and being a voice for change. And one of the ways she's doing that is through her published story, Learning to Cope, which you can find on Amazon. So Camille, I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we got to connect and just, you know, wanting to advocate as much as possible. So I'm just really glad that, you know, we were able to connect to kind of get this out there and just, you know, be able to do that. So 
For sure. When you reached out to me, um, I was, you know, thinking about how beautiful it is when we do reach this place in our journey. It's not a requirement, but for some of us, we come to that place of wanting to go kind of public and begin to share. And um, when I thought about, you know, having you on and creating that space for you to talk about this beautiful relationship between storytelling and healing. But before we get to that, let's back up a little bit. Can can you just tell us a little bit about your life, about your journey growing up? Um, what would you like to share about that? So um, definitely growing up, I mean, I lived at home with my parents and my siblings. Um, and then at nine years old, my mom um, passed away of breast cancer. Um, so we went, we, me and my siblings bounced around a little bit, trying to, you know, find that place of what now and kind of have some normalcy, but it took a really long time to kind of get that, um, you know, we separated for a little bit with my siblings. I moved somewhere my brothers went somewhere else. And then probably when I was about 11 or 12, we kind of, we reconnected living with my dad's sister and a lot of my trauma started when I went to live with her. Um, it was just not a very healthy environment for me. It seemed like I was kind of like the outsider of like a fam- the family. It seemed like I was more like just a visiting relative instead of like family. So I did, there was some um, sexual abuse that did go on there that I kept, you know, quiet about um, just because you know, I wasn't treated the best, um, living there. And so when I, it finally got to a point where I needed to say something so I confided in a friend and she told the school, um, the school counselor what happened. And then, um, the school counselor talked to me about it and then I got reported, but somewhere along the lines of it being reported, it kind of fell through the cracks where nothing was investigated, nothing happened. And I didn't realize it till I was like an adult that, you know, anytime something like that gets reported, it's investigated, it's into, but for whatever reason, um, that wasn't. So I felt like, you know, I was failed by the system that it just kind of, you know, it was one of these things of like, it happened and you move on and you don't talk about, which I've, learned a lot since I went public with my story and I met tons of supervisor um supervisor, excuse me survivors that that's that happens a lot oh yeah it's, it's yeah. like it happened you don't talk about it hush hush you you just move on and it's like what people don't understand is when you're a victim of that it can destroy your life and it mm-hmm. affects everything around you yeah. um so you know just kind of dealing with like sexual abuse and then trauma from that and then dealing with like a verbally abusive like family member like all of that stuff wrapped up is a lot so um you know it was it was tough I I always say I didn't have a normal childhood like I don't know what it was like to be just a regular kid or just to you know have fun play laugh like just do what normal kids do I never felt like I was able to relate to other kids that I knew because I didn't know anybody like me. Um, so, you know, once I'd left my aunt's house, um, I moved in with my mom's mom who, when I was 14, but 
um, still being there, I thought, you know, things are going to be perfect, like the trauma's over. Um, and then when I was in high school, um, I was sexually assaulted twice and didn't report it and didn't tell anybody. Like I just kind of, I left it alone because the the seed was planted of stuff happened already. and yeah. you, you don't say anything, you let it go, you know? And so um, now being an adult and being a mom and, you know, it's like, no, I would want, you know, that to be said and spoken about, but I didn't have adults who were there of like to protect me or give me the skills of like, you stick up for yourself or you protect yourself. Like I didn't have any of that. I was just kind of going through the motions of, okay, like you, you learn as you go. And then if whatever you don't learn, you, you don't learn it until maybe you're an adult, maybe you don't. So I felt like, you know, um, because of the sexual abuse and the assault that I dealt with as being, you know, a, a kid and then in high school, I mean, you're still a kid. Um, but it was just to the point that it got really bad that when I was assaulted in high school, the first time, um, it, it turned out that I found out later that it was like something planned between like boys at school and they had a different version of it where they said, you know, that we just slept together and then everybody found out his version instead of the real version. And I was bullied at school and I was made fun of. And so I did school a lot because I just couldn't deal yeah, with wants the to be trauma. There. Yeah. So yeah. I ended up, um, the principal had mercy on me and said, you know, we, you have two options. We can kick you out or you can go on independent study and make up your, your credits. So that's exactly what I did. I left school and, you know, I got my diploma, but it, I, I wish, I was strong enough back then to tell the reason of why I was, you know, never was at school. And, you know, I got into um, like drinking at an early age and, you know, experimenting with drugs, just trying to mask feelings and trying to push everything aside. And, you know, it's like, I didn't have my parents around. I didn't have my siblings. I didn't, I never had adults around me to, you know, that I could go to, to say, this is what's happening. This is what's going on because it was always, you know, you're not going to be believed or I'm lying or I'm making stuff up. So, you know, I kind of just learned to carry that heavy baggage around for years until barely three years ago when I decided mm-hmm. I, I just can't, it's too heavy. Do it anymore. Yeah. To, you know, I need to be able to just set it free. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people have questioned, why would I go public in a way of writing a book for the world to read? But to me, that was my way of healing and getting it out. That may not be everybody's, you know, option. And that might not be everybody's way of doing it, but I've always wanted to be a writer since I was little. So I figured since, you know, this is, this is just my way of doing it. And Mm -hmm. I want to be able to, you know, reach the people who have been silenced and haven't been able to speak. They're going to hopefully read this book and say, this person did it like why can't I it's okay to speak Mm -hmm. up it's okay to talk about this and yeah it may not be everyday conversation but why not like why can't you know this be conversation that you can have like you know there's no shame in doing it because it's not you're not at fault for it you know somebody else 
made that choice to kind of do that to you. So, you know, that was kind of my, my way of just kind of getting it out. And the moment I did, um, it, it felt very like freeing. A lot of weight was lifted off of me. And I felt like, I mean, obviously now it's still not the easiest topic to talk about, but it's gotten easier as time has gone on. Like, will it ever go away? No. Are you never going to feel any emotion for it? You're always going to feel some kind of emotion, but as you continue to heal, it's just, it gets easier to know, like, it's not your fault. You, you know, you didn't ask for that and you can help other people along the way of, you know, whatever it is, just listening, just, you know, being by their side. I mean, you don't even have to talk about it. Just knowing that there's somebody else who can relate to you makes all the difference. Yeah. Cheers to that, Camille. 100%. (laughs) There's, there's, there's so much in your story that I personally connect with, you know, the place of, um, first of all, just trying to kind of pretend like everything's okay here. I can, I can really relate to that moment. And, um, And while there was a way in which my parents were aware and they were attentive about what happened, there was, it was only so far. And then there was almost this moment of like, well, we don't know what else to do. And so we just kind of back burner it. And yeah, you know, kind of that, that place of feeling silenced and feeling um, unprotected in multiple ways again and again and again, the repetition of that in your life, I can really see how, you know, that created the context in which when the next trauma happened the idea of like why bother like I'm not even going to like bring this up not a lack of strength on your part by any um means really more just the conditioning and the the society that silences victims right and and shames people into silence and I think that's something really important that you're bringing forward and for you all listening to to kind of think about is the way that you know uh we get conditioned to just deal just deal you got it and and then we uh make ourselves kind of bad or wrong for, you know, we, we shame and we blame ourselves. So I love that you're bringing forward this place of, you know, redemption um, and healing through the place of telling and telling can be with a journal. It can be with a person. It can be with a counselor. It can be with a book and it can be with a podcast, right? There are all (laughs) kinds of ways to, to, to tell, but I want to go, go to this moment three years ago, because something happened, you know, you described it as the, like, I can't just keep, you know, doing this anymore. And, and I remember the moment in my life where that became really crystal clear and it set me on a different path. Can you just tell us a little more about that moment? Like the particulars of it, like what was happening in your life or what was the feeling or the experience that just kind of flipped a switch for you and and let you take on the thing that you've been fearing facing for so long? So I had always, um, you know, I love to read and I've always read, you know, people's stories and I I love to read true stories. I've never been one to read like fake, fake stories. I just, it's it's something about those true stories that mean more to me when I read them. So I've always been a big reader. I've always written like in some kind of journal 
And so I always said to myself, like, you know, I want to write the story. So one, um, I think it was, well, it was three years ago and I wasn't working. I was at home and I didn't really have a routine except taking the kids to school and then I'd come home and I said, you know what, I want to write. So I would write, you know, all day and just kind of get it out there and then rearrange it and go back to it. And I told my husband, I said, um, I wasn't married at the time, but I told him, I said, I really want to this year, I really want to get my story out there. And he's like, okay. So I said, I really want to finish it. I said, I'm almost done. I said, now I want to look for um, a publisher. And he's like, Mm -hmm. okay. So I did, I did my research. I did my homework and try to find, you know, I had no clue about what it takes to do any of it. So I ended up finding one. And um, they said, you know, we have to be able to accept your story. So I thought, okay, I did the hard part of all the work and seeing these pages and seeing these words and rereading my trauma basically over and over, which sometimes it kept me from, I would stop writing because I was reliving a lot of those memories that I thought, okay, this is really, it's a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause it, you know? Yeah. And so I, I did that, but I think what took me the longest is getting past those hurdles and like all the trauma and emotion coming back to it. And then when I found the publisher, I submitted my story and they said, you have seven days to hear back from us if we want it. So I said, okay, this is going to be the longest seven days of my life to know if they even want my story. So then it was like, maybe they're not going to want my story. Maybe it's not written well. Like I had all these, you know, these things going on in my mind. So then I got the call that they wanted it. And I was like, ecstatic but it still didn't feel real because sure yeah so I was like okay I I can do this and I waited and then it was this the you know getting it right and you know if I wanted to add pictures and you know all this stuff so I really took into consideration like characters of changing names and having to do all that because I had no idea so finally when they were ready, they said, this is our final stage. Like, do you have like a picture of, of the cover or anything? And I said, oh, I didn't think about that part. I just was thinking of just the story. Sorry. So yeah, yeah. so they literally chose a cover that was perfect. And everybody said, is that you? And I said, no, I don't know who that is. It's just something that went with the title. And the moment that I got them shipped to my house, um, from the publisher, it, that's when it was real. It was like, I did this. I wrote this, like, this is all my work, you know, put into this and to hold it and flip through pages. And I'm a person will all buy books. I don't like Kendall's and I don't, I have to spill the book and turn the pages and, you know, do that whole thing. So once I got it, I, and people didn't know that I was writing this story very, maybe a couple people knew. So it was going to be a shock when it like, live so when it was out I shared my cover and the link to like Barnes and Noble and like Amazon and everybody was like okay I want to I want to read this but I did tell people I don't want people to feel sorry for me I don't want pity I don't want any of that it this is not what it's for it's not for anything else but to advocate show that where I am now from what I went through and that's it that's all it is. It's, it, there's nothing it. more behind it. So when people do, you know, family members, 
Um, it was hard for a lot of them to read it. And I did get backlash for it a lot. I got a okay. lot of backlash. I got a lot of ugly comments, um, you know, some reviews that weren't very nice, but I realized that, you know, no matter if you do something good or do something bad, there's always going to be somebody who's going to have something to say. doesn't matter. Yeah. True. So I said, this isn't for anybody else. This is for myself. And that's what it was for. So I knew that I would get, you know, comments and whatnot, but I didn't realize how much it was going to be that a lot of people took it very personal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I said, you know what? Everybody has a right to their own opinion. Um, you can say what you want to say, but this is my truth. This is my story. Nobody knows what I went through, but me, like That's nobody right. was there. So, yeah. um, you know, it, that took a little bit, that was a, a huge deal for, almost two years where there was talk and, you know, some family didn't talk to me anymore, but I, I couldn't keep hiding and I couldn't keep that hidden because it was going to make somebody else uncomfortable. Um, I had to make, I had to be vulnerable with the world and make myself uncomfortable to get this out because, you know, it's not about everybody else. It's about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And when you carry trauma and baggage and things like this into your marriage, being a parent, that's a lot. Like it affected yes. your everyday life with like jobs and just making friends and being a parent and, you know, thinking, you know, can I get married? Do I want to get married? Like all these things, because you have all of this stuff. So my husband didn't really, he knew a little bit about some of it but he really got the just of it um from my book yeah like he was he, able to have a deeper insight into what your yes. experience was. so once I sent it to the publisher I let him read it before it was like out mm-hmm. and he read it and he you know got to really like get why I say things I say or why I react to things I say and I have triggers still all the time but mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just, it's going to be, that's just going to be there. I'm, I'm not, you know, I I've had to go through a lot of things, but you know, it's just part one's out. I'm currently working on part two, but I'm trying to finish. And you know, everyone's like, when are we going to get book two? And I'm like, you know, life happens. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I work. It's like, you know, you're only like doing all kinds of things in life yeah. too. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, fair, but fair. It's, I feel like yeah. it was, part one was like the foundation of who I, who I kind of am, um, yeah. of, yeah. you know, and, and it's kind of like, so it, it'll be a trilogy. So I'll have part two and three, and then I'll be, I don't know if anybody's story's ever really finished, but it's kind of like, you sure. know, you, you get to your, you know, happy, happy, happily ever after you get to your third and then, you know, and then you get to, you know, just see things differently after kind of expressing what your story is. Everybody has a story. It's just, if you are, you know, willing to share that story and that might not be everybody's um, thing to do, but that was just mine as my healing process has been sharing and talking and just getting that out there. And, you know, it's like, even if only one person read it or 500 people read it, my thing wasn't about making money off a book or it was just having my story out there. And if it helped one person, then it 
you know, it did what it was supposed to do. Right it, it wasn't for anything else. So yeah, I yeah. didn't expect to, you know, be like this <laughs> filthy rich person because I wrote a book. It was just, this was just my, yeah. my way of healing. So yeah. A place of expression. I love what you said about telling your story is for yourself and no one else, because I know so many of my clients really, um, struggle with the place of, you know, how do I tell my truth and protect people? And I think there's a beautiful thing when we really give ourselves permission to say, you know what, I'm going to tell my story as authentically and honestly as I can. And the people in this story, you know, are, uh, you know, there's a great quote that says, if you don't want me to talk bad about you, then don't do bad shit. And that's right. (laughs) Like, and like, it's not our job to protect or to take care of. Right. Um, and you know, we can hopefully like it can open conversations and dialogues and yeah, sometimes there is fallout, but I just love the permission, you know, that you're, that you're offering to folks in this, this way. And it's also really just beautiful to witness and hear how the process of writing was healing, even if challenging at times, like being with your story, being with those experiences. It's like a moment of, you know, facing, facing the thing and then rising up your voice, raising up your voice in a way that says, you know, to hell with all of you people who thought I just needed to be silent and not talk about this and don't talk about it and ignore it. Like I'm not, I'm not running that show anymore. (laughs) We're turning a new pace here. Um, and just the empowerment of that. Um, can you speak to a little bit of that? I think you've said some, but I, I want to just bring it, highlight a little bit more, like what were ultimately some of the the benefits of, you know, really sharing your story, writing your story, telling it? So I feel like one benefit that I can truly like see now is I can, obviously I, I wrote my story. So like, I know what's in there. But when I actually went into my book and like kind of scrolled through just like the chapters, it, it shows me how much I've gone through in a short period of time and like still overcame that. And it's like, I may have not been in one piece, you know, Mm. when I got to the end, but somehow I made it to where it's like, I came out of each situation. Yeah, probably stronger in a lot of ways but the benefit of me being able to write that and be vulnerable and say yeah um I you know this happened to me it's not my fault that it happened you I can't control what others do what they what they plan it's like it's happened it's just unfortunate it happened from the ages of you know starting at six years old where at six years old you're just supposed to be a kid and not worry about these types of things exactly yes but unfortunately you know I did Mm -hmm. and at that age I was still living with my parents and when it was a friend of my dad's who happened to touch me and I was just kind of like in shock like what is going on and I remember telling I ran inside and told my parents and I remember my dad like ran outside to chase this person but he was gone and my dad knew where to found where to find him but even after that happened it wasn't talked about like to say you know I'm sorry this happened or it wasn't your fault or anything it was just like it happened and we just you know we had dinner that night and 
I mean, right. that was it. It was like never discussed, never talked about. I, I mean, I never seen this person again, but at that age at being six, like people think, well, how do you remember that? Or it's like when trauma happens, you remember, you don't mm. forget things like that. You just don't. Mm. Um, so it was like, even though I'm sure my parents probably didn't know maybe how to deal with that situation, maybe they've never had to deal with that. So maybe they didn't know what to say, but you know, it was something that it just from six years old to things happen. You just, you just move on type thing. And that was kind of like the, the, you know, narrator starting from my story of things happen, you move on, you don't talk about it and they go away while they really don't go away. They just kind of build up and stack up on each other until it's too heavy and you can't carry it no more. And then you explode and then you're a basket case you feel like. So it's like, you know, it took me years to even talk about it in therapy, like Mm -hmm. that things like that happened. Like I couldn't, it was like, it wasn't something that I could just talk about easily. So I didn't even know how to like say these things. Um, So my kids know that I wrote a book. They, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my oldest is 20 and I let him read it only because you know, I was a young mom. I was 18 when I had him. And when I wrote it, I was kind of not sure if I wanted my kids to read it yet. Yeah. Just because it's, hear that. it's a lot. It's, it's, Tricky, it's a yeah. lot. But I let my oldest read it because I wanted him to really kind of get like that backstory of me and yeah. kind of see like, okay, like, you know, I think when you're a mom, like your kids just see you as like, just a mom, like you didn't have a life yes. before us and you, know, you, totally. you weren't a teenager and you weren't this. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, I, well, I lived a life. I definitely yes. lived a life. Yes. Yeah. You guys are just, you know, not my life. Like I was a person before having, you know, my kids. So I wanted yeah. him to really get it. And he yeah. had anger towards people who did things to me. And, you know, when I told him, I said, you know, I was angry for a long time. And, but I, this is my way of kind of like, if you stay angry at these people, they're still winning because you're letting them affect your life. You're letting them make you have bad days because you're still carrying this anger around, you know? So, and probably because he's my oldest and I'm his mom, you know, it's like something was done to his mom that he can't, you know, take care yeah. of or you protect me Fix for solve so, or change yeah. yeah yeah so you know I I wanted him to read it my other kids have not read it my my I have um I have four boys all together and then I have my daughter um my boys are 17 16 and then a 12 year old and my daughter's nine um so I've told my older kids like if you guys want to read it like that's fine I just it there's still some kind of you know I wouldn't say maybe shame. There's just still unsettling feelings having your children know that, you know, I've been through awful things and, you know, um, so to me, I think it's just, that's, that's just hard for me to kind of swallow. So I think it's a very important point that you're bringing out because a lot of times when people who have experienced trauma are in this debate with themselves about, do I tell my story? How do I tell it? How do I share it? Do I go public with it? 
Absolutely. For those who have children, that's a part of the conversation. And even if it's not a, um, I'm going to write a book and publish it. Like, when do I tell my kids? Do I tell them about this part of my life? Do I, you know, share about this experience and when's the best time to do that? And I think it's a very individual decision. I think it has a lot to do with the kid and the kid's capacity and and various things. And And yes, how they're holding the experience, you know, influences. So, um, you know, it's an important thing to talk about because there's a way in which we want to, I think, children to have the landscape of who we are um, and then doing that, you know, in a mindful way, which you're doing, right? You're kind of sorting through the pieces of that. And it is tender. It's super I think I think what what I would offer is that maybe not the shame, but what you're naming is like, oh, it doesn't quite feel like shame. It's just vulnerable, you know, to be like, here's my stuff, right? And and how's that going to, you know, right? So I mean, I I I think just I I honestly didn't don't care what strangers or family members or anybody have to say. It was more concerned for my kids. It was like, yeah, I get that. my kids are my main priority and they're the ones that, um, their feelings matter to me. And, yeah. you know, I never want them to feel uncomfortable or anything like that. And, you know, we live in, in California, in the Valley, everybody knows each other. So it was like, that kind of kept me, I think a little bit from sharing my story only because everybody knows everybody, it seems like living in yeah. a small town. Yeah. So I thought what my plan was, is I was going to create an alias and still share my story. But then I thought if I do that, I'm still hiding. I'm still letting other people like not see the real me. So I decided, you know what, the hell with it. I'm going to put my name on there and it is what it is. I mean, you know, what can I do? So that's that, that I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I put my name out there and people know that it's me. Of course I did change names and whatnot, but, um, people ended up figuring out like characters, like they just, they just did. I mean, without me saying anything, like they just put the puzzle pieces together and, um, you know, I'm appreciative of the support I've got and the encouraging, words that I've got from either fellow survivors or people who didn't ever feel like I was lying or, you know, anything for that. Of course, the ones who gave me the, you know, the bad comments and whatnot, it's like, it's fine. You guys can feel however, you know, you want to feel. But, um, you know, I think my main thing was that my, I was just worried about, you know, my kids. Um, so, you know, I mean, they know that I, you know, still am writing and that I want to you know continue doing that but story right yeah Yeah. because I love that because now there's like what are the next chapters the chapters around yeah like the healing journey and finding yourself and what more you're discovering um and I know that you're stepping into other ways that you're kind of supporting and advocating I know you have a Facebook group helping victims become survivors. And so I'll make sure the link to the Facebook group is in the show notes. Can you tell folks a little bit about what they could expect if they come and kind of participate in that group? Yeah, so um, basically I decided to create this group from survivors that I was meeting um, that that did share their story with me and that did go public with their story. I wanted them to be able to have a safe place 
that they could come and they could vent or they could just um, share things maybe around their community or just have somebody to talk to if they were having, you know, a bad day. Like just because we come out with our story um, right. we're never really healed. So it's like, just because we share doesn't mean like, oh, yeah, we're going to have right. great days every day. Like, no, that doesn't happen. You know, that, yeah, that doesn't no. happen. So it's like, I just wanted to kind of create something that um, you can just, hi, how are you? Have motivational quotes there. Um, you know, some would share their journey if they were like, you know, going to court for whatever. I mean, just any anything yeah. that had to do with that. I wanted that to become something that we all were connected by our stories. Beautiful. And so I chose, and I chose the name helping victims become survivors because yeah, at one time we were victims, but we're not anymore. Like we survived that, like we are survivors. So I wanted like them to know, like, yeah, we probably all have felt like victims at one time or another, but we made it like, we are not there anymore. Like we're able to share our story and we, you know, we're survivors. So shortly after, you know, going public and creating my group and meeting people, um, you know, I decided that I wanted to get the um, sexual survivor tattoo symbol. I don't know if you've seen that symbol before, but that was mm-hmm. like a huge Huge is it the comma or something else? A semicolon? So I do have the semicolon, which that okay. is for like, um, that's, that's for like, um, what is it like depression, anxiety, that's for mm-hmm. like, um, suicide, like stuff like that. Oh, but, yeah, the, yeah, okay. but the sexual abuse survivor symbol, it's almost, it's like, um, I can't even explain what the symbol is, but I had seen it especially around April when it's um yeah yeah and I was like this is my like you know my warrior like stamp like you know I made it this far I was able to do it (laughs) so I decided that that was going to be probably my you know my favorite tattoo to to really feel like I made it this far of course when I do get the questions of like oh what does that mean it's it's still sometimes kind of like it's hard to get out sometimes, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's just, I mean, it's not really a, um, an easy like topic, but I want to be able to have it be where it's right. easy, where it's right. not like, oh, it's, it's, it should be shameful or you should be right. embarrassed. You have to whisper you it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, no, I love that to, too. You know, yeah. 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 I love that. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, with every voice that raises up, every story that gets told, we are more and more normalizing. I mean, I I remember early on when I started my business and I started, you know, going to parties or whatever, and somebody would, you know, the, um, the ever obvious question, what do you do for work? Um, And I'm like, oh, oh. Oh yeah. Okay. Like immediately, immediately now, like we're into the conversation and yeah, it took some time to like decide how I wanted to answer that question. Also to give myself permission to sometimes answer it differently. Like sometimes just to be like, I'm a coach. I work with personal development. Uh, and then sometimes I'm a sexual abuse recovery coach because, you know, sometimes I have the the space to hold for other people and their questions and their inquiries that come, or even their uncomfortableness, right. That I'm going to have compassion for, sympathy for. And so, you know, always giving ourselves permission that, you know, we get to answer how we want to answer. And, um, and then, but as we do that more and more, and we get more and more comfortable. So do, you know, I think the conversations around us become more empowered. Yeah. So I love oh, that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely feel like, you know, mm. um, the more that it is spoken about and the more that people can really, you know, not judge somebody for things they had no control over and to not yeah. make somebody feel ashamed for oh their past gosh, or, you know, it's like, it's like you, why can't mm. you know, people just be compassionate and know things are out of their control and everybody has a story, nobody's stories alike. Um, you know, it's like, even though you can connect with other survivors, their stories aren't the same. Like they're, they're different, you know, man. So. Well, on that powerful note, <laughs> said that any better? Yes, Camille. Thank you so much for being here with me today and for sharing your story and modeling, you know, the power of transparency and speaking your truth. I love that so very much. And um, I hope you all listening will go get Camille's book, Learning to Cope. It's on Amazon. Last name is Flores instead of Martinez, um, but you'll find it. Check it out. And the link will also be in um, the follow up email or in the show notes. So Camille, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad we got to connect. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just hopefully when, you know, the next book comes out, you'll, you know, see that and just kind of see that progress of, you know, how things are going, you know, hopefully I do get to get into, I would love to get into public speaking and talk about these topics of, you know, sexual abuse and sexual assault and just advocating for others who feel like they don't have a voice you know, writing other survivor stories, like that's, those are my plans. So, you know, love it. All right. Sharing that vision for your future on. Yes. Yes, Keep me posted. Yes. Let me know when the next book is out. Um, And uh, yeah, really appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in and joining us today. Um, as always, you can pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the resources on the site. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.